The Hollywood rumor mill is churning. Not really, but we're going to talk about some potential additions to the Guardians from the West Coast anyway, and an ex-Indians late GM that uh, still doesn't get enough credit to this day. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Game Time. Download the app, create an account, use the code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Uh, on today's show, we got a lot to talk about, so let's just dive into former Cleveland Guardians great and draft pick uh, Clayton McCullough. Yeah, that's right. Probably a name, to be honest with you, that we. Should have had on our shirtless when we did our little discussion about oh, guys we were interested in. Yeah. I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> uh, guys jerk. we should have had. Yeah. <laughs> not not that list. Although Craig Albanez maybe could have been on mine if we did it that <laughs> way. Um, yeah. Probably McCall should have been a guy that you and I should have had included. I'm not sure how we overlooked him, but um, he's interviewed I, for. I think it was just because of a couple names. of jobs. Like we, we were maybe focused on like yeah. their hitting coach and things like that. So I think it was just he wasn't as big of a name. Yeah, and he probably should have been. That's what I'm saying. He probably should have been a bigger name to talk about. Certainly the Guardians view it that way. Uh, Paul Hoynes, I know, and uh, Fabian Ardia from The Athletic had said that um, the Guardians reportedly came away impressed in their interview with Clayton McCullough, according to a source. And, yeah, he's had interviews the last couple of off-seasons. He's talked to the Giants in 2019. He's talked to the Mets before Buck Showalter got that job. And then he was a finalist for the Royals job before that went to Matt Cataro. Uh, his dad, by the way, has spent a lifetime in baseball scouting. Howard McCullough, he is, I think he's in, if he's not in the scouting hall of fame, he is in some sort of minor league hall, some sort of hall of fame for scouts somewhere because he's uh, had quite a, a career bringing guys. I think he was the guy who signed uh, Nomar Garcia Parra for the Red Sox, but you know, I digress. That's good for his dad, I guess. Uh, but no, Clayton McCullough seems really well liked by the, by the Dodgers. Like I said, he's gotten pretty close to being interviewed before you might wonder like, okay, why hasn't this guy landed the last three opportunities? You know, cause Sandy Elmar, you know, we talked about him. He went through a lot of this early on and went through a lot of inter- interviews and didn't land and nobody could understand why. And, and not really sure why. And now he's sort of, I guess, out of the running at this point in his career. McCullough, you know, has been kind of a, a bridesmaid a couple of times too as well, but does seem really liked by, by LA. I mean, I saw Freddie Freeman this year talk about how he never thought he'd have a 20 stolen base season in the majors. And he credited Clayton McCullough for that. He's been, he's been their first base coach for the last couple of years. I saw James Outman interview James, James Outman talking about how his outfield defense this year, he credits, you know, solely to not solely, but mostly to McCullough's help because he was their field coordinator in the minors and worked with him and, and in the majors again, he was with the, yeah, he was with the Dodgers for quite a few years was the a man, minor league manager for the Blue Jays for several years. And you know, there was a lot of connections, too. Not only was he drafted by Cleveland back in uh, 2002, he played you know a couple of years in the minors, played in Lake County, actually, one of the first Lake County Cavs teams. 22nd round draft pick. I think the uh, – a.k.a. the Tim yeah. Heron round, right? That's the, isn't that we decided yeah. to be – yeah, right? Yeah. 
out of Eastern Carolina. So yeah, he played a couple of years in the, in the minors for Cleveland. Didn't really go anywhere, but he was an ex catcher. So there's always that he is an ex catcher. And of course. Uh, the thing I think most, yeah, the thing I, I think is most interesting here in the connection is, you know, he did, was drafted here. So the organization does know him pretty well based on drafting him. And in 2002, I mean, just as a quick point, so yeah. like, um, likely maybe was a senior if he was a, you know, so like just two years older. He was drafted out of high school, so yeah. Oh, he's not uh, East Carolina University is a high school in Greenville. Well, I mean, he he was drafted out of high school and didn't sign. Oh so. no, no, but he was drafted by Cleveland in 2002, so he's just two years older right. than me, likely, maybe even one. Wow. Uh, yeah, so he's you know he's about my age. He's he's relatively young. He's like. He's manager. 41. He's yeah, he's 40. pretty young. No, he's 43. The manager. Yeah, okay, 43. So. so he's he's pretty young in terms of, of managerial uh, pursuits. And he's worked with Dave Roberts the last couple of years. And of course, Cleveland knows Dave Roberts very well from, you know, he was drafted here as well. I don't know if they ever crossed paths. I can't remember. Do you remember when Dave Roberts was drafted? Because he was obviously a Cleveland draft pick as well. Um, I don't know if they ever crossed paths in Cleveland, but he worked with Dave Roberts in LA. No, obviously, Cleveland knows. Because they got him from the Tigers, so while he was drafted by Cleveland, he actually I don't believe did he sign. No, he didn't sign with Cleveland out of the draft. He oh, was he that, didn't like, sign. Okay. No, he was that uh, Hieronimo Barroa trade. I want to say in my mind mm. when they signed Hieronimo Barroa, who was uh, I, I'm surprised I could pull that name out, but who was awful, <laughs> and they shipped him out. So, but he came over to Cleveland uh, in '98, and then he was out of Cleveland by 2001. Yeah, so, yeah. He I mean, we know what yeah, kind of career no over. No overlap as a player. Yeah. So, well, McCullough only reached the minors. I wasn't sure if, <laughs> if Roberts had played the minors with him, but either way. So he's worked with Roberts. Uh, Terry Francona, obviously good friends with Dave Roberts. He was his manager in Boston. They've been pretty close. So again, Francona hasn't said like he's going to make a recommendation or anything, but he did say if, if they ask for my, you know, if they ask for help, I'm certainly going to give them, you know, I'm going to tell, you know, I'm going to give them my opinion or whatever they ask for. I'll, I'll help out if Dave Roberts thinks that Clayton McCullough can manage or thinks he's a good candidate, I'm sure he's going to pass that along to Francona. And if, if Cleveland asks, Tito, you know, what do you think of Clayton McCullough? And, and if he says, Hey, my buddy, Dave Roberts says good candidate, you know, and I'm sure that's, that's already part of why he got the interview in the first place. So it's probably already happened, but there's, there's some connections there between being drafted there and obviously a connection with Dave Roberts and Tito. So and I think that, uh, he uh, might end up being on the short list here. I would not, I would not be surprised if he ends up on the short list. And with that Dodgers team, uh, you know, we talked about trying to mine the Braves because of hitting. But, I mean, look at that Dodgers team. They helped they Jason Hayward turn it around. Jason – or Jason. James Outman wasn't exactly a huge prospect. Trace Thompson, we talked about, like, his surprise rise. Uh, so, if he is a guy who also helps with the hitting, that, that could be a big net positive. Um, just don't give him the nickname Hat, and we'll be okay. You can mark in the comments below what I'm referencing with that. But, you know, he's an interesting candidate, a uh, younger player, you know, hasn't really coached here, um, but does have the ties of having been a, uh, you know, a minor league player for Cleveland uh, in the mm-hmm. lower levels. Uh, he's He makes sense on the short list. I'm curious to see, uh, you know, it looks like nothing came out about who I thought my candidate would be. We haven't heard anything about, about Bobby M. So I assume he's not, even though with his ties. Uh, so we'll have to see. I feel like they're going to sit there and, you know, we'll, we'll probably still hear some names, but I think uh, you can definitely put him on that short list in terms of guys. So I think, you know, we didn't hear anything after Mendoza and Albernez. Nothing else came out. So I think you can kind of move them to one column and move him to another. Yeah. 
I would I would say McCall is probably the biggest name at this point, truthfully, and and who they've interviewed. Like, you've had some other other coaching names, and they've talked about some internal candidates as well that they've talked to. Obviously, you know, talking to um, Valleca and some other minor league guys. Reportedly, there's been reportedly the reports are kind of conflicting on the whole Budzinski thing and Snicker and all that stuff we talked about last week, but. I don't know. McCullough seems to make a lot of sense. The Dodgers do a lot of things well. I mean, that's a good that's a good place to learn. I know I know there's a lot of Dodgers fans out there that don't love Dave Roberts, but um, he's well liked around the league, and the Dodgers have been good. Yeah, I mean, year in and year out. I know people will say that's because they spend a lot of money. They do spend a lot of money, but they're also a really smart organization. They balance things very well. This is an organization that hires well. They draft well. They develop very well. They develop in places that are hard to develop. Like they, mm-hmm. they find guys. And this is maybe not McCullough specific, but it's just it just speaks to his ability to kind of be around those people and soak up what they know. Because that's that's a big part of this. It's not just coming in and it's what you know. It's what you can learn. And if he's learned from them, like you talked about, reviving J- uh, Jason Hayward as a bit player this year and the guys they develop. Yeah, they spend a lot of money and yeah, they draft. They don't. They never draft high. <laughs> They're always winning. They never draft high. They often do yeah, weird draft, too. Like if yes, we're being fair, they, like yeah, like I said, they develop from weird places. They mm-hmm. Tony Gonsolin was very a, stuff. Yeah, was a five k senior sign. You know, like that's. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's not necessarily him. But uh, just looking at the team, if you can year, learn from those it, kind of people, and, and yeah, but even just looking what they they've done with. You know, Chris Taylor was not Chris Taylor before he got to the Dodgers. Now, he kind of did that, I think, before McCullough was there. But you can look at the Dodgers and their history. Yes, they do spend a lot of money, but they're not also the team. They're also a team that's trying to balance that to some degree. Um, And it has certainly helped with, you know, having Freeman and Betts and being able to trade. But Will Smith was, in my opinion, an overdraft. Um, I'll be, you know, if I'm going to take credit when I get it right. He's a really good player. He's really good. At the time, I thought it was a bit of an overdraft. You know, I'm just going to call James Outman was not someone I had the expectation for what he did this year. Uh, I really liked Michael Vargas. We'll talk maybe some other stuff when we talk about the Dodgers in segment three. But they've done a really good job of kind of finding, and not just with those young guys. Yes, we could talk about all their draft successes. But Yancey Almonte, you know, cast off from the Rockies. Like the, their whole bullpen oh, is cast, cast off, off pitchers they revived. Yeah. Yeah. And hitters, Max Muncy was, people forget this, a cast off from Oakland when he got there. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is a team that has developed cast offs really well. And I would be excited to add that if he ends up being the candidate, someone who's been around that and maybe could bring some new thoughts. Yeah, if you can bring some of that, that Dodger innovation over here would be really good. And Dave Roberts works really well with... I know people are going to say, oh, you don't want a manager doing too many the analytics, but Dave Roberts really balances a lot of those things. So uh, we'll talk a lot more about Dodger stuff. First, I want to, we want to get to, I want to give a guy's due who was up for a Hall of Fame that has been overlooked here in Cleveland. So let's, we'll talk about him here in just a second. If there's any event coming to town in Cleveland or out of town, and you're looking for tickets or you're not sure about, how to go about your ticket search. You don't need to go out and uh, make that purchase well ahead of time. You can wait till the last minute with the game time app. There's a lot of events coming to Cleveland, to be honest with you. My next month's calendar is filled up uh, with events that I'll be going to with my wife. Uh, if you want tickets to any of those events, whether they're concerts, sporting events, comedy shows, a lot of those coming to Cleveland, I can tell you. Um, go to game time because we <laughs> have deals on tickets right for the start of the event, even an hour after it starts place to go to get last minute seats and you can get pictures of your seats before you buy them. So you 
have that idea of what, what your seat's going to look like before you go. And with the game time guarantee, uh, you're always going to get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. So take out all that guesswork with buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code locked on MLB, $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. The championship series are, are wrapping up. We're going to be getting very close to World Series time this week. I think Friday is the start of the World Series. So stay tuned and, uh, Make sure you're listening to all that action on your SiriusXM app. Just search for the game on there. Um, Hank Peters, Jeff, I know you had some some thoughts on him over the weekend. He is up for, uh, I forget what they're calling the committees these days. They keep changing the name of of how these committees work or, or what the names are of them. But uh, Hank Peters was the Indians GM and president uh, and their chief operating officer in the late 80s and early 90s before, I'm sorry, so it was 87 to 90s when he worked here. Um, and he also, before coming to Cleveland, did he a was, lot of great work with the Orioles. Yeah, he was born in Cleveland originally. Yeah, born in Cleveland, uh, served in World War II, I think, mm-hmm. as well. Yep. So very interesting background. He passed away back in 2015, so this would be a posthumous induction to the Hall of Fame for him, but probably a very deserved one. And also in Cleveland, uh, probably does not get his due here. I, I know there are more people who have recognized this over the years, but I think as a whole, there are people who just don't realize how instrumental Hank Peters was for the Cleveland organization, especially coming off of ju- just at the end of where they were starting to break out of those doldrums from the, the 70s, the 60s, the 70s and the 80s. Well, one of the big things you have to say is when you're talking about Cleveland's GM history is, you know, after Frank Lane in 61, you had Gabe Paul from 61 to 73. Trader Lane was just. Yeah, Trader Lane, who, I mean, you know, helped that team be solid. But then Gabe Paul was pretty much an unmitigated disaster for most of his run. And then you have this weird thing where Phil Segui comes in from 73 to 85. And I don't even think he got to 500 in one of those years. And he had a 12-year run and was never fired. He moved to president of baseball operations for Joe Klein to take over for two years and just be pretty awful uh, in that role. Um, you know, it, 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 it was bad. Uh, he got canned after that infamous uh, Sports Illustrated issue. But, hey, his, uh, you know, and Phil Segui, his big thing was essentially appointing Frank Robinson as the first African-American manager. Or in that, um, it was terrible. He was not good in Cleveland. But, yeah, he became a senior player personnel advisor. Somehow 12 years, all below 500. Good old days of baseball, right? Hank Peters comes in, and after helping guide very successful runs with Baltimore comes back home. He's 87 to 91. And outside of Albert Bell, who is, you can thank Joe Klein. That's the one success piece there from Joe Klein. Uh, that 90s team is, and Kenny Lofton was a, the trade for Eddie Tobinsey, uh was a John Hart special. But other than that, um, John Hart gets a lot of credit for the 90s Cleveland Indians. And he didn't put those teams together. Yeah, he went and signed Dennis Martinez. He went and signed to Oral Horschheiser, and those were important moves. He traded for um, for Kenny Lofton. But outside of that, almost every single one of his other trades was an unmitigated disaster. Uh, I, Especially after get, the mid-90s. Yeah, and in fairness, like his second-best trade is probably Dave Burba for Sean Casey, and people have talked about why we shouldn't trade with Cincy. That Burba trade was instrumental to this team keeping the window open. But that is his second most successful trade. After that, you can look at the Brunitz deals, the Sexton deals, the Giles deal yeah, uh yeah 
like and it's all terrible like what a long time ago when it was indians prospect insider i i analyzed every single round of the draft and wrote i wish like there was a maybe internet archive and i found like every the best pick in every single round and then i went through and did a whole piece about like the best and worst gm so when it comes to the draft Hart and shapiro were the worst in the you know the 50 years of the draft they were both awful 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 and basically the one thing Hart was really good at is for the most part, he outside of blackjack McDowell, he did not swing and miss on free agents. He was pretty smart with that. So there is some value okay, so there, but Peters but was Hart, the reason this all went in the right yes. direction. So, but that's the thing. If there is no Hank Peters, guess what? When John Hart gets here, the window doesn't um, open. No, there, there is no window. This team doesn't find success. And John Hart is probably out of a job within five years. Um, and they're probably moving on to something else that he inherited all that talent. And then I, mean, one can argue, it's like the 1992 draft was John Hart's first one at the, the heel. And I believe that is, is that the Mark, uh, they, they had, no, that's the Paul Shuey. Uh, it was 92 Paul Shuey. Yeah. Paul, who was a reliever. I mean, they have the number two overall pick in the class and they take a reliever out of UNC. It's still one of the weirdest picks ever. That's, that's how John, so he had some high picks. Um, that one was, was not great. Uh, um, Peters but, didn't miss like that. I mean, no, but that's the thing. It's like, we saw that, like, even when Hart, ha- like you could argue that, okay, if someone's going to argue, Hey, Hart never had high, he had high picks and it didn't work out. Peters set this team up to be successful. The nineties teams were Hank Peters teams. They were not the John Hart teams. As much as people sit there, John Hart in the nine. No, you have it wrong. It's Hank Peters in the nineties Indians. It is Hank Peters who put that core together. It is Peters who drafted Tommy, Giles, Ramirez, Nagy. Uh, traded for Alomar. Traded Bayerga. for Alomar. Traded for Bayerga. Like, all of that was Hank Peters. All of that. And um, I think he was the reason that they started handing out pre-arb deals as well. Yeah. That was kind of his thing. He was, They were starting to make you know those those contracts you saw where they were signing guys for that arbitration to long-term deals where you're paying more money up front but you're getting some free agent years on the back end and that's and that's how cleveland kept the core going because they kept guys like well mm-hmm. they traded they traded loft and got him back but tommy ramirez all those guys did sign their first contract and got a couple of years of free agency bought out by cleveland and that is a practice that everybody tries to use today and it's a practice that cleveland has always used because that's what they've always had to do or always done and a lot of that does go back to hank peters and his philosophy as well so a lot of things you see innovated around baseball and in Cleveland had a lot to do with, with Hank Peters. And I, I think you're right. He a, lot, a lot of people think that uh, yeah. John Hart was the reason. And John Hart was uh, John Hart did some good things. I'm not saying he was a yes. terrible GM. He, no. like you said, he kept, he kept the window going. They were still fine. The drafts were terrible um, for the most the part. Trades were terrible. Yeah, Hank Peters set it the was... foundation for this organization to almost to where they are today. Truthfully. Yeah. Cause if, if that doesn't, if Hank Peters doesn't do what he did, what what happens to the nineties Indians? Because you don't have Tony Ramirez. No. Yeah, and then what foundation do they have to build off from the nineties? That's what that's what the entire right now the organization is built off of is that nineties foundation. It's yeah. yeah, they have a strong history going back to the fifties, but this is a different time. The baseball started to change, and yeah, you could argue without without Peter's foundation, this organization you know is in a very different situation right now. Yeah. They might have never had that success to build off of. The new ballpark. I mean, they might they might still get the new ballpark, but you don't have the excitement of a good team with that new ballpark, and and maybe this thing never takes off. You know. Yeah, and it's. I guess for me, it's just this. 
there's this tendency for a lot of times to really lionize heart. And one can make an argument that if they had another GM, they might've won a world series because of how bad the traits were because of how bad the drafting was. Um, yes. He drafted CC and Jared Wright kind of worked out. Uh, Bertolo, but yeah. Yeah. But it's like, Bertolo, you, know, that, you gotta that, give, you gotta give him credit for Cologne because uh, Shapiro traded Cologne, but they had Cologne to trade, and that also set a major foundation for them. The yes, next years. But... I'll give Hart credit for this, by the way. The Kenny Lofton situation in '96 when they trade when they're '97, they traded him yeah, in that... spring training to get Marquise Grissom and, and David Justice. That was a big part of them going to the World Series that year, and then they also got <laughs> Kenny Lofton back, and they still retained David Justice. So that was that helped them for a couple of years yeah, as well. Grissom so helped them. Grissom was part of the Matt Williams deal, was he not? Was that how that worked out? Uh, um, that I don't know I about. So. I mean, they, I... maybe it's part of a lesser deal. But either way, it's like you know they did. The, it's just the fun, the humorous thing of Atlanta wanted to save money and wanted to get because David Justice. I listen. We, we'll have time for another day. I recently went down to David Justice wormhole. He was already <laughs> like thirty two and had a lot of outstanding. Like that deal was about Atlanta dropping Justice's contract. Um, as much as it was well as getting Cleveland. a player. It worked out great for Cleveland. I mean, he was great for the rest of that contract. <laughs> uh, but that was a big part of it for them, was dropping his contract. But it, and like I said, I, I probably coming off too rough on Hart, that you can look at his runs after he left Cleveland to see it didn't go very well when you didn't have that Hank Peters, uh, you know, whole situation Foundation. put into place. Right. But it's like the 90s teams are not John Hart's teams. They are Hank Peters' teams. And he should – the 90s – you know, Cleveland was one of the best offenses ever, and it did spoil a lot of fans, I think, in Cleveland to a degree, because you had, listen, if Albert Bell was a nice guy instead of a jerk, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. You had four or five Hall of Fame level players on that team, and that just doesn't come around. So it was a fantastic run. We should recognize that we were just, you know, a, a unbelievable time, but also realize that yeah, a lot of those pieces were inherited and that it, it, Hank Peters should. And, and by the way, yeah, it's not yeah. just Cleveland. He won the 1983 World Series with Baltimore. He led that team right. to the top. So uh, absolutely, absolutely, for <clears throat> multiple reasons, Hank Peters should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, good candidate for the Hall of Fame. Get He should get his due. Uh, let's see if the Guardians can make some other very good trades this offseason. October baseball is back. Currently, we've got the Texas Rangers beating the Houston Astros 4-2 to two in the eighth inning. Uh, I am rooting for Texas in that series. But Always for Game 7s. You can, you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today, and it'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown to create your account today. Then get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a win, predict what will happen in the next step bat with quick bets. So head over to FanDuel.com slash on right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Right now, if I was uh, going to do a bonus bet for this game, uh, could I do a bonus bet that Jose... Leclerc is going to get the save. He's going to he's going to rebound. You know, he's he? he's had some he's had some rough runs in the past and he's recovered from it. So I, I got faith in him. That's that's my bonus bet. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. If there is a game seven for the ALCS, you can find it on your Sirius XM app. Just search for the teams. And we know there's a game mm. six coming up on Monday between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks, that should be a lot of fun. Philadelphia is 
crazy fun right now. And I still want to see all the game sevens possible. One before we move into the trade, I just want to throw one thing out. So the 1989 draft, I've mentioned this before greatest draft in guardians history. It's also the draft of first baseman, Jeff Bagwell, Jim, uh, Jim Tomey, Frank Thomas, John Olderud, Mo Vaughn, JT snow, all taken in that draft. Wow. Uh, Ryan Good Klesko, draft. Ryan Klesko as well. Number one player by war is Jeff Bagwell. Number three player, Jim Tobey. Number six, Brian Giles. Uh, if you go down this list, sitting in the early 20s is Curtis Lekancic at 22. Uh, Eddie Guardado, one spot ahead. Lekancic, one spot again, ahead of JT Snow. Uh, Lekancic was also a Guardians pick in that draft. They flipped him. Uh, give some credit to John Hart. That was him. He flipped uh, Lekancic and another piece for Paul Sorrento, and that worked out pretty well as well but uh three of the top 21 players and two of the top six in a draft that is just i mean trevor hoffman is ninth Movan is 10th for war like that's how good this draft is so just yeah, wanted to throw that out for some fun i'll i have this all saved in a document comment below if you want me to share that out and i'll share it out in the comments or through twitter let's see if cleveland can uh maybe pick the they're gonna bring clayton mccall over maybe they can bring one of his uh hitting protégés over or, or some of the minors he's worked with so there was a report from the last, I think it was last week or two weeks. So we've been sitting on this topic for a while. Yeah. Um, the Dodgers, their, their post uh, season press conference, they're kind of the, the post-mortem season conference with the, the GM and the media and all that. They talked about the need to go up for starting pitching this offseason. No shock ever. I mean, everybody's going to say that everybody needs starting pitching. No one's, no one's going into the winter saying we've got enough starting pitching. We don't need to go after any starting pitching this offseason. No one, nobody's saying that. I mean, uh, over so, on uh, roster resource again, not a perfect site, but they're starting five: Walker Bueller, who missed all of last year with injuries, Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepot, who could not nail down a job this year for them, even though they had need Ryan Yarborough, who I believe is sixty-three, and Emmett Shaheen, who again is a interesting young arm, I, especially with the Julio Urias situation. I don't know if he's going to pitch again, Lance Lynn. He's going to be a free agent. Free agent, yeah. And does and uh, too, Clayton along the way. retire? Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen with Clayton Kershaw, Dustin May, and Tony Gonsolin had arm surgeries. Um, you know, they've got some guys in the minors that are interesting, Gavin mm-hmm. Stone and, and Kyle Hurt as well. Yeah, they, I mean, they want to surgery the Dodgers in September, continue, so he's done yeah, for the, next year. If the Dodgers want to continue the run and they want to be the class of the NL West every year, they definitely need starting pitching. I don't know. This is this is a team that feels like would be interested in Shane Bieber because they have taken on. I mean, the Noah Syndergaard thing obviously didn't work out for them, but they've they've done. Noah Syndergaard was kind of on his way to being broken a, before he got there. But he was he he had was a good year with the Angels, yeah, and he was good with Philadelphia. I think that was yeah. just something but broke this year with him. Shane Shane Bieber seems like their kind of guy. Like I think they would be fine working with him for a year, seeing if they can maybe help but him regain some lost uh, velocity. The one thing I would say is they have kind of Syndergaard had been healthy before he got there. They've avoided the health guys outside of the guys that they have themselves. Yeah. You know, if you go and you add like the free agency guys, they've got Trevor Bauer, who is you know, there's a lot of things you can say, but the one positive about him relative to all things is that guy was relatively healthy. Like he was a consistent starter. I wonder if if on some level, if Bieber wouldn't be their guy because of two of the last, I, I think Bieber's value is going to be severely dinged because again, two of the last three years, last he didn't pitch. Years. You know, that that's a big deal. That is a big deal. It is. And the Dodgers do need healthy arms. Let's let's that's true because yeah. Walker Bueller's coming off of arm surgery. Like the only guy in their rotation, they have two guys, maybe like three guys. The only guy in the rotation that's been really healthy is Miller. You have no idea. He's a rookie have, who was yeah, 120 innings this year. 
Yeah, you have no idea what Papio is going to do. Yeah. And Yarborough, I he's just a, a dude. Like he's maybe eighty nine innings last year. Like again, that's, yeah, I mean, he's, got, yeah, it's it's, it's not, not an good. option now. Yeah, not an option they're going to consider if they want to win the AL West. I mean, if if Shane Bieber is mm-hmm. not their guy, I mean, I'm sure they. I'm curious to see if they'd have any interest in Cal Quantrill as well. I'm, I think he um, might. I think either would make sense. Like, they, uh, as much as I'm yeah. crapping on Bieber, there is a degree of logic of rolling the dice on him and buying low. Um, but I think there is value in Quantrell and his relative strong health. I think I think Bieber is going to attract interest too because mm-hmm. of a they're going to see if Cleveland has any interest in moving him now, but also because anybody that gets him this offseason can offer him the qualifying offer next year if things go well. So teams are going to be very interested in, in making that happen. And there are guys in the Dodgers organization as we're, we're sort of running out of time on this yeah. episode, but there are guys we really like. You like Michael Bush. I, I'm going to mention Andy Pahes, even though he strikes out too much. And I just don't think he can play outfield. I, I know he can't. I know he can't. And play you got Man, I saw him you got play. Man, and- Manzardo and Naylor kind of blocks him. Uh, I, I just want to throw out this, this with the Bush. I put together a list of AAA players with isolated powers greater than two, K rates under 24, runs created plus over 100. And Michael Bush is one of three with Blaine Krim, who is a, uh, you know, a, a, kind of one of those guys that if you're a bad team would be worth checking out with Texas and then Jonathan Aranda in Tampa. But that's that's your entire list. I know Bush wasn't great in the minors, but even if you go and you look at some additional data when I was trying to like look at guys who also p- pull the ball a lot because we know that pulling the ball is a good thing. It has a much higher like he was also on that list. And we'll get into some of those. Yeah, other guys this year. Bush. Bush has plenty of power. I don't know where he plays. That's the problem. He's probably an outfielder. Left, left field. Yeah, you could probably put him in left. He, I mean, he plays. He's played second or played some second and third in the minors. Uh, he's left-handed. Like I don't know if you worry about lefty or righty because you're just trying to get the best hitter you can on this kind of deal. So Bush is really interesting. He and then they there were people who thought that Cleveland would go with Bush in the draft in 2019. There were a lot of yeah. There were a lot of places. Well, I, I thought they'd take Gunnar the Henderson, but I I did yeah. Michael Bush in my shadow draft. Yeah, they were, I saw a lot of places that mocked Michael Bush to Cleveland in 2019. So he's interesting. I like Miguel Vargas a lot. He doesn't have the power that that Bush does, but he is a good hitter. He walks plenty, doesn't strike out. I think he can grow into power because he's already he's already had double digit, hom- digit homers in the minors. I really like his swing. I think he can hit. Um, another guy who probably has to move the outfield. Maybe he's played some second. Obviously, that wouldn't be the case here, unless. You know, you move Jimenez to short or you move Burrito left field, all that kind of stuff. I do like Juan Burrito, by the way, in case anybody's listening who thinks I don't like Juan Burrito. Uh, maybe they should turn up their headphones a couple of times uh, to make sure they know what they're talking about. Um, Miguel Vargas would be a good addition, though. I think he, that would be a, ni- a nice piece in this deal. Uh, I do like Bush a little more than him. I agree with you there. But if we're just kind of casing the Dodger system for players that are interesting, Vargas is interesting. And I don't know what you can get. I would, I don't know if you can get multiple pieces for Bieber. Maybe it's a straight up deal, especially a guy like Bush, who's almost kind of major league ready anyway. Um, there, there are a number of pitchers in that organization too. I like Carlos Duran, Christian Romero is interesting. Uh, Jared Karras, I wanted in the draft that year. That's Eric Karras' son. There's a number of interesting guys, and you know maybe they can bring one of them over in a trade in the off season for one of these pitchers. And the Dodgers certainly are going to be probably scouring everywhere they can to get um, reliable pitching this offseason considering their needs. Yeah. And I'll just um, go ahead and throw out one last thought note on all of this is, you know, there, there is a world where you look at a Bush who struggled to translate and it's a, uh, you know, maybe they're buying low and there could be a buy low for buy low uh, Mm -hmm. situation. But 
He's you know, we'll some other guys before. Yeah, and, and and we'll get into some other guys this offseason. He's just an interesting candidate in terms of the unproven. Uh, mm-hmm. What is proven is that we have fantastic fans and listeners in the show. We want to thank you for tuning in daily. Remember to rate and review every single day. It helps. It's the wrong one. Uh, sorry about that. And uh, again, thank you all. We appreciate you being part of the Lockdown Guardians team. And go, go, Guardians, go.